Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. Each episode I have a guest sharing their story and advice on getting started in cybersecurity. And matter of fact, this is the second recording of 2023. And my guest I have on today uh, goes under the handle Pink Draconian. It's Raba Van Roy. Uh, we finally got to meet in person at Black Hat Europe in London uh, back in December. We'd been connected on uh, social media for, for several years. And like a lot of my friends, I'm excited to see them in person. So we got to meet uh, at the Integrity booth there at Black Hat. And uh, he was gracious enough to join me on the podcast, take time out of his busy schedule. So welcome to the show. Hey, Philip, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, yeah, it was really nice to meet you at Black Hat. Uh, and yeah, that's I love conferences because meeting all these people that you have seen online for so long and then definitely with, with COVID, it was hard to meet people. But now with conferences, meeting people is, is so much fun in this industry. It is. It's one of my favorite things is the people I'm connected with online on, you know, LinkedIn or Twitter. It's always good to get to meet them in person because sometimes people, and sometimes it's kind of difficult because some people will use an avatar and you don't know who they are. So it's just kind of up to them to introduce themselves, but always a fun thing. And it was great meeting you and, and, uh, it was a lot of fun at Black Hat Europe. So if anyone has never been before, I'd recommend going. I think it's actually less expensive to attend, from like a ticket perspective compared to, to Black Hat US, I believe. Yeah, I believe so too. But to be fair, I wouldn't have the best intel on that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of fun too. One of the things I didn't get to stick around for because my wife's birthday was the weekend after Black Hat, but also uh, B-Sides London was going on at that same time. Did you get a chance to stick around for that or? Uh, I didn't get a chance to stick around for that. It was my girlfriend's birthday, so I couldn't okay. miss that. Uh, so uh, <laughs> some more important things in hacking funny. in life. <laughs> That's funny. My wife's birthday was that weekend too. So she would have been okay with me sticking around, but it's, you know, you you want to be a good husband, good boyfriend, and all that, that sort of thing. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so uh, for those, you know, one of the focus of this show is for people that are beginners trying to get in the industry. They're trying to, you know, get jobs as ethical hackers, pen testers bug bounty hunters and so forth. And one of the things I'm really excited to have you on the show is because your bug bounty background, one of the things I recommend to people a lot is if you want to get into uh, pen testing, then bug bounty is a good place to start because you can get hands-on experience in production environments, you know, try hack me, hack the box. Those things are good, but it's not really an, a real world scenario as far as it's in production. It's purposely vulnerable uh, systems, which I'm sure you've probably have some stories of some bug bounties you've done that you would think it was probably purposely vulnerable because it was so easy. But uh, yeah, I thought thought you'd be great to have on here. So you know, a lot of the people on here uh, are just getting started. So why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Pink Draconian. Uh, I currently work at Integrity. 
uh, as the hacker manager, which means that everything that I do in my day job is trying to make the lives of hackers easier. I try to provide more resources for people to learn, for people to get into bug bounty and into hacking, but also for the seasoned hackers that they have all everything they need to be happy and also to give them an opportunity to kind of sustain a life solely out of bug bounty. So make full-time bug bounty hunting a real job that people can do, which is something that right now has been possible, but only for a very few. And we want to expand that, obviously. Um, but I started five years ago with hacking and I just had a class in college, Security Essentials, and I loved that class so much. Um, but back then, I mean, I just knew the basics of programming uh, and I didn't know anything yet. And I started on Hack the Box like a lot of people do. Um, and I still remember my first box. It took me two weeks to get in there. So two weeks of every night trying and just the feeling when I solved that first box, when I got roots was so incredible. And I was like, I want more of this. That was the biggest dopamine hit I had ever had in my life. I needed more. And so I kept on doing that and playing a lot of hack the box and eventually playing a lot of CTFs and, and becoming quite good in, in CTFs. I won, for example, the Belgian competition. Um, in Europe, there's also a European cybersecurity um, competition. So every country in Europe battles it out against each other. And those were great ways of learning and connecting with people. And that's how I kind of ended up in the, in the bug bounty world because I wanted a job, um, but I didn't want to pay for certifications. I am, I am quite a greedy person, I guess you might say. I, I, I think there are so many free resources out there and people are willing to put a lot of effort into free resources. Um, so I just wanted to kind of exhaust all of these free resources before paying for something but i quickly noticed that it's impossible to exhaust all the free resources uh, there's just so much out there so i was thinking okay how can i make myself marketable to companies without having to go for a certification without having to get a really expensive degree without all of that and and, and there are many ways of doing that and one of the ways of doing that is for example bug bounty if you can go up to a company and tell them hey look Sorry, I don't have OCP, but I have hacked into Facebook. I have hacked into Red Bull. I have hacked into this company. That tells so much about your skills because these are real companies. These are not lab environments anymore. Um, and I think that is a big reason why people get into bug bounty hunting, just building those skills. And, and, and it's a whole different way of building skills than, than on lab environments, uh, which comes with a whole new set of challenges. You will notice that if you come from try hack me or hack the box into bug bounty it will be really really difficult but also really rewarding because uh, while you're studying you can make a little money on the site and get this amazing experience now besides bug bounty uh, i also try to market myself in other ways for example i started a youtube channel um, for a couple of reasons first of all if i can show a company hey look i made like videos on all of these interesting topics i know them because if you have to uh, if you make a video on something if you explain something to people if you write a blog post you have to really understand what you're talking about and it also gives you a reason to dig deeper so that's also something i would definitely recommend to anybody willing to start out create content blog posts um, videos uh, podcasts maybe even any content you can create on what you're doing uh, will 
first of all, be great for you because it, it really helps you solidify all the knowledge in your head because you have to reproduce it. And it will also help you get a job and, and get further in your career. Um, and once you're really comfortable, definitely try out Bug Bounty because it can give you kind of a an easy way of seeing if this field is for you or not. Because if you jump into a job as a pen tester and it's not for you, well, you went through the whole hassle of getting this job. Whereas with Bug Bounty, you can just try it out. Um, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, one of the things uh, mentioning, you know, Bug Bounty opposed to like a full-time pen testing job, sometimes it could be hard to get those roles because they expect you to have pen testing experience. Mm -hmm. Whereas what's required for someone to get on the integrity platform? Do you have to have any experience or how does someone join uh, the bug bounties there? So the cool thing is, is that you don't need to have any experience. Uh, you can just sign up. And once you do, you will see a list of companies. And these companies have said, hey, we want to be hacked by hackers. We want to know about the vulnerabilities that we have. So if you hack us, tell us about it will pay you money for your finding and you, well, you get that money and you have that finding, you have this real world experience. Um, and this is something that I think is incredibly cool because 10 years ago, there were also a lot of really cool hackers, but if they wanted to hack, they either had to, well, be a pen tester or they would do it illegally. And right now this is a legal way of, of hacking. Um, without all the rules that come with being in a company. If, if you want to be in a company, for example, if you live in Sri Lanka, it is so incredibly hard to find a job as a pen tester because a lot of companies, well, they will want to hire in the US or in Europe and it can be very hard. And I know the story of a, of a 17 year old uh, person who lived in Sri Lanka and he lived in a really poor neighborhood. His laptop was falling apart. He had incredibly terrible internet, but he started submitting bugs to Integrity. And his first bugs were fairly bad or not bad. They were of a low severity. They weren't really um, anything special, but they got him some money. Um, and then he kept on submitting bugs and the bugs started getting better and better. And then all of a sudden he started submitting RCEs and getting like payouts of over 2000 euros, which in Sri Lanka is a lot of money. And this person, the 17-year-old boy, kid, he, well, 17 years, that's that's still a kid. He was able to buy himself uh, tuition to go to college to uh, make it possible for his parents to move to a better neighborhood just from doing big bounty hunting, uh, just from hacking, which is a skill that he had, but nobody would have given him, him a chance otherwise. So... What I like about Bug Bounty is that you really put everything in your own hands. There is nobody kind of gatekeeping and saying, oh, no, you cannot do this because of this arbitrary reason. Oh, because you don't have a cert, because you don't have this. No, you just have to prove your skills. And if you hack, you get paid. That is something that I really like, that principle of it's all in your own hands. You're the one making changes to your life, and it's not dependent on other people. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you know, the guy in Sri Lanka, the security researcher. Well, that's one of the things that's really amazed me about bug bounty. I used to be a, a bug crowd ambassador, but just hearing the stories of people in these countries that they don't have the opportunities, but they can work globally doing this. And you see people buying computers that they normally couldn't buy. They're able to buy cars, which they normally couldn't. So it's really, really nice. And it's kind of an equalizer for people that are 
global in places that don't have the opportunities, they can work on a global platform like Integrity. Definitely. I fully agree with that. Um, it's really lovely to see this, but one thing to note as well is that doing Big Bounty is, is not easy. Um, because on Twitter, we see these images a lot of people buying a new car with Bug Bounty money or money or saying, hey, I got a bounty of 50K. You only see the success stories, obviously. So, um, And I think for beginners, this is probably like the first big issue is that they get, they will hunt for a week or two weeks and not find anything. Uh, and that will give them a feeling of, oh, I'm not good enough. Because on Twitter, they keep on constantly seeing these success stories. You should know that Bug Bounty is really hard. You're hacking real companies, right? It's, it's not going to be as easy as just um, inputting a, an XSS payload and immediately getting that pop-up. It's going to be really hard, but that also makes it very, very rewarding. Because if you can beat through uh, those dry periods where you maybe are not finding much, if you can muster up the motivation to keep on going there, that really shows that you as a person, that you have what it takes in this uh, cybersecurity world. Because I think that is one of the most important traits. Uh, the first one is passion. You have to be really passionate about this world if you want to get far. And the second one that I think is very important is perseverance. You have to be able to push through even when it gets hard. And, and it will get hard because, it, well, hacking is not easy, else everybody would be doing it. Yeah, just, I think a lot of people, you know, see these breaches in the news and they think it's easier than what you would think. It's not that easy. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I kind of get annoyed at when I see people that someone left their, you know, someone that doesn't know any better, someone left their iPhone or their their Android phone open and they got on it and posted something on their Facebook. Yeah, they really didn't truly hack it. And it's a lot more yeah, difficult yeah. than they think, you know. Plus, you know, I'd say probably between doing network pen testing and application pen testing that I'd say, you know, it's tougher to find vulnerabilities sometimes or serious vulnerabilities on web apps compared to infrastructure based on my experience. Yeah, I think I would agree on, on my experience. I think um, yeah, it's, it's a whole different game as well uh, because with infrastructure, there's much less consideration for security. I believe than, than application security because it's way easier to see the attack factors on a website, right? Uh, if, if you can steal another person's account on a website, if you can use their credit card data, it's much more visible. It's something that even CEOs can, I mean, they can read, oh, a person can steal credit card information. That is a very big issue. But if you have to go to a CEO and tell, oh, a hacker is in the network. I mean, what does that mean? What is the, the impact necessarily? And, and it is way more easier to visualize, although obviously uh, the impact of, of um, an attacker being in your network can also be detrimental. So definitely, I'm not trying to say that it's not that it's less important. It is just a whole different skill set. And, and Bug Bounty is mainly focused on web applications. Um, Although we are seeing lately that a lot of uh, game companies are also joining in on the fun uh, to have game secured, uh, mobile applications are also very important. And even companies uh, like Intel are securing their ships through uh, bug bounty um, or a part of that, a part of their security is obviously through bug bounty. So like any field will work, but finding a bug bounty program that does uh, Active Directory um, is is way way more difficult because it's in a very sensitive area. So um, yeah, it is. It's definitely 
more for specific skills, I would say, but anybody can really find something they like. Yeah. One of the things too, though, is, you know, a lot of people are starting out, you know, some people, maybe they don't want to be a web app pen tester mm-hmm. and they want to be a network pen tester. But one of the things I've kind of seen over the past couple of years, because I've had some friends that have been looking for jobs that didn't have the web app pen testing background and some it's get, beginning to get difficult for some of them to find jobs without having that web app pen testing background. It seems like if you're a hardcore red teamer doing adversary emulation, you don't have to have the web app pen testing background, but it's looking like now that more companies, if you're a pen tester, they're expecting you to know some level of web app pen testing for you to be able to be considered for the jobs. Yeah, I think I think the importance of the web is just it is every, everywhere and even in network penetration testing, a lot of the times you will be dealing with HTTP protocols. And yeah, that is that is just the way that it is. And, and I guess more so than, than in the early days uh, before I was even in this field, I guess for you can just look at a protocol such as FTP, which was being used so much in the early 2000s. Whereas now a lot of its functionality has been replaced by, by well, web um, places to share files uh, onedrive for example all, all of all of things all of these things are living on the web now so so i think yeah it's 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 something that has is becoming more and more important for penetration testers uh, and and that's a trend i believe will continue uh, for a little while yeah i agree and one of the things that's interesting too when you mentioned finding you know HTTP protocols on pen tests. Some of the pen tests I've done infrastructure wise, the way I got in was because a lot of these admin consoles use like a Java server, <laughs> like uh, Apache JBoss, I mean, uh, Red Hat JBoss or Apache, uh, you know, uh, Apache Tomcat. Yeah. yeah. Tomcat on there. So I've seen instances there where they were using default credentials and you're able to upload a malicious war file and, and exactly. get access. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to. But it's it's interesting. So anyone listening that's a, an infrastructure pen tester, it's good to learn that web app, app side of things. And, and it seems like with more more companies going to the cloud, that there's even been more web app you know out there than before in the past traditionally. Yeah, exactly. But I think if you have that skill set um, and that mindset, then transitioning into web isn't that difficult because. Uh, the web protocol, we use it every single day. So there, it's not like a totally new thing. You kind of understand the basics already. And the the most difficult thing to teach, in my opinion, is the hacker mindset. Uh, and if you've already been a penetration tester or done network pen tests or have experience in that, then it will be way easier to transfer the hacker mindset from that into web application testing, um, for sure. Yeah, I agree because that's kind of where I, I started out doing network pen test and doing some web app and and end up learning both. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, interesting. One of the things too I've noticed as well is a lot of these different companies, if you're wanting to join, especially consulting companies, if you're trying to get a pen test role, usually they give you some pen test or something to hack into and you have to write a report on it. And usually always it's something web app. So it's some kind of web application yeah. So one of the things too is if you're an infrastructure pen tester or you're wanting to get into pen testing at all, then learning those skills are going to be helpful because whatever challenge you get issued, it's typically not going to be anything. Here's our here's this Active Directory forest. Go in there and see what you can do. <laughs> it's going to be some application, web application, because I know uh, some other 
you know, some of the other pen tests as a service. I know that's kind of the way you have to get in through those type of challenges. Uh, and so yeah, that's one yeah. of the things with some of the other ways is even consulting is you have to do those type of challenges. So it's worth worthwhile to to learn some web app pen testing, even if you want to do it, be doing infrastructure pen testing. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, from one side, it, it might also be a, a bit out of a laziness of a lot of companies because setting up a challenge uh, on a web application is way easier than setting up an Active Directory forest for people to hack into. And then you have to reset that at times because it gets messed up and whatnot. So uh, I think that uh, might also be one of the reasons. So what would you recommend? So if someone wants to get into bug bounty or web app pen testing, how would you recommend them starting out learning to, to do bug bounty and pen testing. Yeah, so I, I'm not a big fan of providing full learning paths for people. So some people are really asking for a roadmap of specifically, oh, what programming languages do I have to learn? What uh, databases do I have to learn? And I don't like that idea because if you provide everybody with the same roadmap, everybody is going to have the same skills. Uh, and that is a very big issue, I think, um, because in bug bounty, it is if you find a bug, you get paid. Uh, you have to find a bug. If everybody knows the same kinds of bugs and everybody does the exact same testing, then, well, everybody's going to find the exact same bugs. So how I like to start is I just like to think of a topic that I don't fully understand yet and that I want to get into. And then I just start looking for resources on that topic. And I think that is a way better approach to learning than to kind of old constantly be asking people oh what is the most popular thing that i should be learning oh i see xss is pretty big should i really dig into xss now well everybody is doing that what if you just pick what interests you um what is something that you've been wondering about hey how does this work um a cool example for example oauth do you fully know how oauth works does it interest you do you want to know how it works well go and dig into it and and then you have a skill set that not that many people have. And now you can go on bug bounty uh, programs and on companies and trying and specifically trying to find OAuth issues. And then uh, from there, you'll maybe see, oh, well, now I'm quite interested in this because I saw this company use, I don't know, Adobe Experience Manager as, as, a, as a technology. Now I'm quite interested in how do I pen test that? How do I go about that? And, and that way you kind of forge your own path and you have your own skill sets, which is unique from everybody else. And that makes you way more interesting as a person and, and as a pen tester and as a big bounty hunter. So that's kind of what I like to say to people. Just do what you like. Don't let others influence you. Don't let people tell you what is the next big thing. Even if right now you're interested in buffer overflows, go into that. There, there will definitely be people telling you that, oh, buffer overflows are, are a past, uh, something from the past. They're not useful anymore. Having that skill is definitely still useful because it transfers to so many different things and heap overflows are still being found in the wild these days. So it's nothing is really a dead field yet. Everything will give you skills that you can transfer to other uh, fields in cybersecurity. Well, that's interesting advice. It's always interesting to hear the guests' ways of learning. You know, I've had some people on recently that they started their path into security through uh, going to a uh, university and, and like, especially one that's pretty popular here in the U.S. is Western Governors University because not only do you get a degree, you get some other security certs along the way. And this person was able to get a job based on those certifications, I think, even before he finished college. 
And then once he got into a company working, they saw how quickly he was learning and stuff. He was doing some pen testing and they paid for him to take the OSCP. But it's interesting to hear too, because, you know, sometimes too structured a route, if you pick a certain course, you're trying to go through it, you kind of get bored. Maybe it's not hands-on enough, but it seems like taking your approach to self-learning and trying to figure it out, you can find the type of resources that work better for you. Maybe it's YouTube videos, maybe it's some medium posts or some content on one of the bug bounty platforms that you can read from and learn. So I like that. Yeah. And what I've seen from that approach and, and the approach of going to a college of getting certs is definitely works as well in a lot of cases. And I'm definitely not trying to say that that's not a good approach. That's it's just different from what I personally like to do. If that works better for you, go for that. But what I found with the, the approach that I've taken is that you get you kind of become quite good at certain assets of certain facets of hacking. And that in those small fields, you surround yourself with people that are also really good at that. At that. So you surround yourself with kind of experts in this one little thing. And um, the good part about surrounding yourself with experts is that those people will then also move on to different parts, but you still have that connection. And if you then want to make a move later on, then you can well, reach out to that person and say, hey, look, remember way back when uh, we chatted about this really cool thing? I see that you're doing really well in that. What would you recommend me uh, to, to check out uh, in this other specific thing that I now want to really dig into and become an expert at? Um, and that's something that I found has helped myself a lot in the past. Uh, yeah. Well, I like the idea that, that your approach on, on learning, because one of the things you're going to do there too is you know, that kind of, co that concept of learning, you're going to be able to learn things that there's not a pen testing course or hacking course out on this now. But if you go out looking for the different materials, learn from those materials, figure out, you know, look up like CVEs, different vulnerabilities and how to exploit that. You're able to do things before the content is ready and available. And, you know, the best hackers in the world, the people that are finding CVEs are able to figure this out on their own. There's not a course on it or a book on it yet. They're exactly. figuring it out as they go. They're the people that actually would be writing the books if there was a book on the subject for that type of <laughs> uh, hacking. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and if you mention CVEs, I think CVEs are a, a really, really great way to kind of step away from courses because um, they allow you to like be a security researcher for a little while, right? And, and uh, just pick some open source application and just start digging in it or, or a closed source application for, for that matter and, and really do your research. And CVEs, once again, are a great thing to show to recruiters. Um, and uh, people always think they are incredibly hard to get. Uh, that is not always the case, depending on the product you pick, of course. Um, so that would be another recommendation is to just try to challenge yourself and say, hey, in 2023, I want to get a CVE. Just go through the whole process. Uh, I think that would be a, a good goal that would be achievable for anybody. Even if right now you're listening to this and you have not ever really hacked, it is definitely an achievable goal to find a CVE in a product. Even if it's a GitHub repo with zero star, like with 10 stars, uh, try it out and see how it goes and the whole process goes of this disclosure as well. It's, it's, a, it's a cool experiment. I think it's good because one of the things too is there's a lot of pen testers, a lot of professionals has been in the industry doing this for a while. They don't have CVEs, so I think it's kind of a way yeah. to set you set you above the above the rest because someone may have like some CEH or some junior level pen testing cert, but if you got CVEs, I think you're I would I would hire someone.
quicker than I would people someone. People love with, yeah. seeing CVEs, but they I think that people value them more than what they are. Of course, I'm a CVE in, for example, a huge Linux distro or in some uh, some really big application that everybody uses is incredibly rare and special, and that's super cool if you can do that. But there are also applications that maybe only 20 people use. I'm, I'm thinking some software restaurants use to serve dinner to the right table. I don't know who, how many people use it. Maybe a couple, 500 restaurants in the world will use that specific software. Try to find a CVE in that. You can say, oh, look, I have the CVE number. It looks incredibly cool. It's, it's, it is also very cool, uh, but it gives you a lot of status. That's, uh, so it's a, like kind of a little hack to uh, be appreciated more as a hacker, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah, one of the things I want to touch on too, because since you're a content creator and you know, we we're kind of speaking before we started recording, is you know, the cool thing about content creation, it's helped people get jobs easier than what it would have been before. I mean, I've seen people that they were content creators and they end up getting a job. They were either streaming on Twitch, doing YouTube content, and they got a job. And when you compare them to some of the other people that are doing all the same thing but not content creating. You see, that's a really good way to to build your brand and get attention. So uh, what are your views on that? I think one of the main reasons why content creating works so well in getting jobs is that recruiters, they will see a lot of people with great technical skills. But a big part of having a job is also your soft skills. Um, a big part of that is being able to, for example, explain to a C-level um, executive what is going on, uh, being able to explain to your teammates what things are about, being able to talk with your teammates, fitting into company culture. These are all things that you may think are incredibly boring, but these are things that HR people, they are looking at because that's what they are looking for. So if you can show them that you also possess those uh, soft skills, then, I mean, that's a huge plus. And having a YouTube channel explaining stuff to people, um, showing that you are friendly to people, that you can communicate well uh, and verse well on technical topics, but maybe even uh, less technical topics as well. That is a huge, huge plus that is definitely not to be understated. Uh, and on top of that, having a YouTube channel gets you into contact with a lot of people. If you post it on LinkedIn, people will start sharing uh, and you'll see quickly see that some uh, higher ups at companies are looking at your LinkedIn profile and all of a sudden you start getting messages. So Content creation is, first of all, really fun, really helpful to yourself. Like I explained earlier, you can really work on, on talking about vulnerabilities that are technically really difficult and that you maybe right now don't even fully understand yourself. But because you're trying to explain it to a camera, you will notice that, oh, I actually don't fully understand why this is happening. Uh, people are going to start question, asking questions about that. And, and then you want to be able to, of course, show them that you know what you're talking about. So uh, at that point, you think, oh, I have to do some, a little bit more research on this so I fully understand what's going on here. And, and it kind of motivates you to do that. And on the other end, on the other end, it's also a huge plus to companies showing, hey, uh, he knows what he's talking about and he is well-versed. Uh... Very cool. And I know one of the things too is you're, you're really big into community. So uh, what's your advice for someone you know, getting involved in the community, uh, that connection, how it's going to help you with opportunities. If you could kind of explain a little bit of that, that area. 
Yeah, the the community in cybersecurity is huge and there's many different like subsections of it and people love sharing. And my main advice is be a part of that sharing. Uh, I see a lot of people trying to look for mentors out there and they're saying, oh, I'm not finding a mentor. Nobody's willing to help me. That's because everybody's very busy and then there's a, everybody is probably already mentoring people or talking with people or, or maybe not interested in that. Why don't you join the community from another site? Why don't you join the community by sharing with the community? If you have a really cool tool that you're playing with and, and you see an opportunity for some features to be added to that, instead of going to the issues page on GitHub and typing, hey, I want these features added, uh, add those features and make a pull request. That way you get kind of join that group of people working on this tool. Uh, you connect with those people you're giving back to the community. You gain some respect in the community because a lot of it is also about that. Because once you have some respect in the community and you've shown your worth, then asking people questions becomes a whole different dynamic because you're not asking them questions from a, a looking like from a position of, Oh, I know nothing. I'm, I'm just going to bother you with questions, but you're coming from a perspective of, Hey, look, I've helped you a lot with those things. We've communicated in the past. Here's a question. Do you mind helping me out? Uh, and that's really, really works. Um, same goes with joining discord communities. Instead of just joining and asking questions, try to communicate a bit with people, try to uh, like offer help yourself first and then start asking questions. Um, and what I've noticed a lot is that people just join Discord channels, type in their question and leave. I don't think that works very well. I think it's way better if you can kind of ask people personally. So try to build connections with all these people. I've noticed that five years ago, I was doing a lot of hack the box, like every day for two years. And right now in my job, I have to talk to a lot of hackers. And the amount of times that I've sent somebody a, dis a message on Discord uh, asking them maybe for some help on something or, or if they want to collaborate on, on something. And then I scroll back through the message history and then I see that in 2018, they asked me for help on a hack the box box and I helped them with that. That is so cool to see because all of these people that you're communicating now, even if right now you're communicating a lot with noobs, in five years, a bunch of those people are going to be experts. And if, if you can then say, hey, look, five years ago, I helped you. How cool is that? Hey, now I kind of, uh, I, I'm wondering about this. Can you can you maybe give me some intel on that? That is a a, a way different way of, of of communicating with people. So um, definitely definitely do that. Just be a part of the community. Let it let it consume you and, and make friends and hack together because collaboration is so important in this. I think if you're collaborating, you can get so much further because you're mixing knowledge. Um, some things I did in the past was, for example, I would just go into a Discord and say, hey, I'm doing this. Is anybody willing to join me in a call? We just hack together, do this. It doesn't matter what skill level you are. Just join and, and let's, let's do this. And sometimes I didn't find anybody. But other times I would end up in a voice chat with 10 people all trying the same thing, all communicating, sharing ideas. And those were the best evenings where time flew by. I learned a ton without having to feel like it was learning. I was not in a textbook reading. I was just having fun with cool people that are now my friends and, and learning at the same time. And I think that is really cool. And if you do that, you have a way higher chance of success. Yeah, I agree. One of the things too, with your networking, you know, it gets to, to the point where you're, you know, you've connected with a bunch of people and 
uh, it gets to where, you know, when you need to find a job, it's not like you're having to apply through recruiters. You're, you reach out to your friend at this organization. Do you have any openings or they reach out to you? I mean, my current job where I'm at, uh, I was congratulating someone on their job. They had been at Senac and now they're the chief strategy and growth officer at the company where I work at, Cognito. They were doing the same role at Senac and I had interviewed with her then. And I just congratulated her on the job, you know, the new job. And then I got offered, I got recruited. So that's like a lot of the things I experienced, not always necessarily looking for a job, but, you know, someone reaches out to you, they know you, they know you have these skills. And as you mentioned, networking with people, people get to know you and know what you do. It's going to be easier for them because someone recruiter is going to reach out to them. They need to hire someone in their organization and, you know, they would rather have a friend working for them and also people get referral bonuses. So if they know people, people are willing to refer you, even if you're in their LinkedIn network, maybe they don't know you that well, but they know you've, you do this and they've interacted with you some, you know, a lot of cases they're going to refer you because even outside the, the bonus, it looks good that they're referring people internally, you know? Definitely. One more thing to add on networking is don't always think, oh, I'm networking right now. Just interact with people. Don't make it this business thing of just talking with somebody. Just do the talking and the network will come from itself. Don't overthink it. And secondly, what you're saying here is so incredibly true. Um, The job I work at, uh, or I work at Integrity and the job I got, I... I asked my boss a year ago, I sent you my resume. Did you ever look at it? And he was like, your resume? No, I never even looked at that. I just (laughs) knew you from all these places. Uh, We had chatted a couple of times. And well, I I hired you because I just knew you and and, and people within the company knew you as well. Um, So knowing people is is so, so important and, and, and can help you a lot. Because, I mean, if you look at it from a perspective of, let's say you're the boss of a big company and you have one of your pen testers coming over and saying, hey, this guy, uh, I know we're looking for a new pen tester. I know this guy is really cool. I've chatted with him a bunch. We've done this together uh, versus somebody from HR comes and says, oh, we got this resume in. It's a, it's a whole different dynamic. Uh, and, and in terms of building team, it's also good for a team if somebody already knows somebody, you know, it's 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 a... Uh, yeah, just makes different teams. And I think the, that uh, within some of the top companies, there is a lot of people know each other even before they were working together. And, and I think that's how a lot of jobs are, are gotten in, in InfoSecurity. Yeah, I like what you said about the not overcomplicating the networking, make it a business thing. You know, I think the simplistic form of it is just make friends. You know, this yeah. is a fun industry to make friends. And, you know, the like-minded people that like to hack meeting those people you can learn so much from. And, you know, those are the kind of people I like to hang out with because it's kind of interesting because I'm a power lifter and I used to be a lot more connected to the fitness community and it was okay, but it's nothing like the cybersecurity hacking community. You know, it's just, you know, these are people that, you know, you run into at different conferences. They're, they're, they're better about staying in touch. And it's just a, I don't know, it's just a more rewarding uh, community than some of the others that I've been a part of. Yeah, definitely. And and it it's also fun because you get to meet so many people and you're obviously not going to keep in touch with all those people. But then at some point, you might just log on Twitter and you might see, oh, this guy did a talk at DEF CON and you recognize their name and you go look back and you're like, I talked with this guy not too long ago. That's amazing that he is now doing all these amazing, all these amazing things. Uh, and then again, you have a connection to somebody who did that and you can learn more about that. Um, 
I think the networking side of hacking is is so much fun if you make it fun. Uh, don't, yeah. Don't make it business. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's not your it's not your father's type of networking where you see some of the back in the old school when people go these different. <laughs> meeting groups for different types of industries, maybe someone in the insurance industry, they go to a bar and drink or whatever. And it's just, I don't know when you add hacking to it and just the culture that there, that comes with hacking is just, it's just a lot of fun. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to share before we end the episode? So I'd like to say to anybody who is currently willing to get into hacking, uh, go and follow a lot of people on Twitter. Um, I am also on Twitter. Integrity is also on Twitter, and we do a, a couple of really cool things there. Uh, we post challenges there, some some little code snippets where you have to spot the vulnerability. Just go there, see if you can spot the vulnerability, make a comment, uh, reply to other people making comments. It's a great way to start off with interacting with people. We also do a bunch of other cool challenges. So yeah, that would be a great place to just get into the community. If you're scared of talking to people, just Go over there, make a small comment, and you will see that you will get some natural interaction and, and just get this whole thing uh, kick-started. In terms of technical skills, you will gain the technical skills that you need if you're in the community and if you're just passionate about this. So don't worry about that as much. Just start doing stuff and you will learn automatically. Um, learning is an outcome, not something uh, or like... Uh, for me, learning is not a goal, but more of a happy outcome from doing what, what I love. And, and I hope that uh, that's something that uh, can be the same for everybody listening. Um, I like so that. So thank you all for listening. Thank, thanks for joining. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. And I look forward to sharing this with the listeners. I think they're going to really enjoy this episode. That's uh, very lovely to hear. I uh, really liked coming on and, and chatting with you. And I would, uh, yeah, if you have any comments or questions to me, just send me a message on Twitter. I'm always happy to chat and, and ask and answer any questions you may have. And we'll be sharing uh, the contact information on social media so you'll be able to reach out to Pink Draconian through Twitter and LinkedIn. So uh, thanks again. Thanks for joining. Thank you me. very much for having me. Thanks everyone for joining, and we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.